0: today's guest is an ultra runner a podcaster and the author of the way of the runner running with the kenyans and my favorite running book of all the rise of the ultra runners at finn joins us to talk about his journey from middle school athletics to a sub three-hour new york city marathon and then a fateful assignment that placed him in the oman desert marathon a grueling six-stage race that nearly defeated him but ultimately lit his fire for ultra distance running We cover a ton of ground in this conversation. If you love running or books about running or listening to men with exotic accents, lace them up, throw on the headphones and give this one a listen. So if you're ready for the show, crank it up and let's go. Welcome to the Athlinks Podcast. I am your host, Troy Bousseau, coming to you from under four feet of Colorado snow. It is March 15th, 2021, and this is episode 37. At Haranon Finn, it is so good to have you on the podcast today. I will tell you what I told you when I reached out to have you on. Uh, Rise of the Ultra Runner is my favorite all-time uh, running book. Rise uh, Running with the Kenyans, one of my fa- all-time favorite. Um, let me ask you just a quick question here and jump right in. When you when it comes to, to writing, do you think of yourself as a storyteller first, runner second, runner first, storyteller second? How do you approach that? Because the, your stories, they never feel like, like – how-to books? It just feels like you're sitting down with a friend and talking about running. I want to
1: teach people things. I never quite claim to be the expert in, you know, I'm not the expert in Kenyan running, but I have a lot of insights about Kenyan running, which can make you think, and make you interested and make you question. And so I'm not necessarily teaching. I'm just raising lots of questions most of the time. And so that's an easier thing to do. And it's a more honest, genuine thing to do because I'm not a scientist. I'm not a sports scientist. I'm not a coach. I am, like you say, which comes first? I think primarily I'm a storyteller. So I go to these places and I tell the story of what's there. And then if you can get something out of it that helps you with your running, that's great. If you can't, that wasn't the main goal. So, so yeah, the storytelling comes first.
0: So on the, on the storytelling side of things. So let's go back to a little bit, um, earlier on in your, in your story. So you were, you basically, as I read through your books and things, is you were a financial, financial times reporter, right? And you, were you, is that primarily your background was in finance and writing? And, and is that, because I mean, it's, it's odd that you kind of came to the, the running story via financial times rather than, you know.
1: Yeah. It is odd, and actually, that's not my background at all. That was the f- okay. first thing I ever did for the Financial Times. Oh, I, ha- I have done more for them. So they're they're like Monday to Friday, they're they're mainly ninety percent financial newspaper. But at the weekend, it's it's kind of a regular newspaper with lots of features and a travel section. So they have a weekend travel section, and and they just got in touch with me because I I had two books about running by this point. I had Running with the Kenyans and The Way of the Runner. Yeah. Uh, and so they needed someone to go off and run this, uh, ultramarathon, the, the Oman desert marathon. And I guess somebody had said to somebody in the office, oh, there's that journalist who writes about Kenya. He might go to Oman or something. So they asked yeah. me to to do it. But yeah, I hadn't written about finance at all. Okay, I was, I was like a news editor at the Guardian. That was my kind of day job. Uh, but I, I, I'm not, I was only part time. So I had this kind of half, half a life as a news editor at the Guardian dealing with day-to-day news. And then the other half, I was a, a freelance writer about running basically. So
0: they put those two
1: together and they gave
0: me the gig. So. The perfect storm. And that, that was, uh, like, I mean, the go, going from, I mean, you're, you're an accomplished runner, so I don't want to make it seem like, you know, you were just some guy in the, you know, like, oh, he has a pair of Nikes. Let's, uh, let's ask him to go yeah. run, you know, this ultra. But when you, um, the 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 story. So, which was your first book? Because I read them out of order. Right. So, was it was Kenyans so running, or Way of the Runner first?
1: Yeah, Running with the Kenyans was two thousand and twelve. It came out right. Uh, whereas Rise of the Ultra Runners only came out in two thousand and nineteen. So, quite a long yeah. time afterwards. So, uh, yeah, I'd I'd already done like sub three marathon. Yeah. Uh, yeah i you know it's all it's all relative of course, but yeah I was in that kind of ballpark two fifty marathon yeah so i in theory, I could cope with a hundred miles over i think it was six days in the desert in theory
0: <laughs> yeah that that i mean going for it's almost like two different sports, it's kind of like cycling versus yeah. mountain biking, you know it's it's the Go in from a sub three marathon, which you're literally running in optimal conditions at all times. Hopefully, I mean, that's you know, certainly the way that they, you know, a hill here or there, but it's not like you know, uh, running through knee deep sand and uh, you know, uh, mm. like intense heat and things like that. You had that you had to cope with on the um, in the Oman marathon. But so let's let's go back a little bit farther. So, your running background, um, was that? Were you a high school runner? Like, when did it all yeah, start I mean, for that, you?
1: Yeah. Well, actually, middle school. Really, I turned up at middle school and never run before. And we got sent out on the school cross country, and 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 I, and I won the cross country. And then, so we don't really take school, high school cross, high school like track and field or cross country anywhere near as serious in this country. Uh, as you do in the US, so so I was in, uh, yeah I was the high in the high school team, but that didn't really mean much. Yeah, uh, but what what we do here is we have these running clubs. So I I I was winning the school races, so my dad kind of sent me down to the running club and said maybe you should try that, and that became my kind of social life and my life outside schools. This running club, um, we I would do a lot of competitions, and yeah, I ran national champs. I think that highest I once got top twenty in the cross country national cross country. So it was a decent standard I had, you know, but it wasn't, I don't think I was ever going to make it, but it was, it was a high enough standard to be pretty serious, pretty dedicated, spending quite a lot of my time. I mean, I was just a kid, so I wasn't, it still wasn't every day, but like five, four or five, six times a week, I could be training. And then I went to university and, and just, it all went out the window. I, I, again, university sport is not a big deal here. Yeah. So it, you, you've got to do it on your own. There's not a, the, i would join i did join the university team but it's it was like 20 guys men and women who were just kind of doing it for fun there was no seriousness involved so it's very easy to let it slide and yeah. uh yeah so before i knew it i wasn't running and the next thing i knew i was 35 and <laughs> yeah. hadn't really done
0: much but you had that base it is interesting how we the difference between uh because i think what happens here a lot and I've met a lot of people through Athlinks over the years. They're so serious in junior high, high school, and then especially collegiate. I know a lot of runners who, after college, they don't ever run again. Like, they're not casual. They would never Mm. run. And I don't know if it's kind of like a, well, you know, I know what I used to be able to do, and it's not fun unless I can still run a 28-minute 10K kind of thing. But I look Mm. at the more the European model, which seems far more sustainable. So like both yeah. of my kids run cross country and my son has become much more dedicated to it in the last year and a half or, but even leading into that, it was just, just, just run enough to where you like it. You're not burning out and you can sustain it the rest of your life. Cause unlike other sports, you, you know, I can't go play tackle football at, you know, at 50 years old, but I can certainly run.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, there is a, it has been changing. I've been thinking about this recently. So when I was younger, there was a whole senior uh, team at my running club. So I was one of the juniors, but the, yeah, there were loads of guys in their twenties and thirties who were who were running really what would be considered now really fast, like half marathons, marathons. You know, I don't know t- sub two twenty marathons. Mm. It was quite common. Uh, two fifteen, even sub two fifteen was was just club runner. That wasn't like international standard runner. That was regular. But, uh, yeah, I mean, things have changed not necessarily because of that. I do feel like the the kind of club scene has diminished as well here these days, and people kind of run there does seem to be a lot of people who my my pattern does seem to ring a lot of bells despite mm. not having the intensity at a younger age. There's still a lot of people seem to l- lose interest in the sport and then pick it up when they get like start realising. You know, I'm getting out of shape. Yeah. I'm getting a bit of a belly here. You know, you just can't keep in shape. And the running is the obvious thing. And if, especially if it's something you used to do and used yeah. to be good at, I mean, of course, there are exceptions within that. And there are there are great young athletes who are going through the club system. There, are, some of them go over to the US, do the college system there. But it is true, though. There is a, I was talking to a Dutch marathon runner who's from Somalia originally, Abdi Nage. He's called. So he's run two oh six. Uh, he came tenth, ninth or tenth in the Olympics. And he was like, comparing, he was saying that he knows lots of US college runners. As soon as they finish college, they basically lose the whole structure and, and motivation and system for training. Yeah. Whereas in Kenya and, and in where he grew up in the Netherlands, I mean he only came to running after college. But that because yeah, you're not in that system. You're kind of doing it all by yourself or, or or through your friends or through your kind of social group. Yeah. That the the motivation doesn't change as you get older. It's a more sustainable model. And they really don't push push you hard at in in Europe at a younger age and and neither in, in interestingly in Kenya or Ethiopia. Yeah. I mean the junior running although they're great it's not there's no you know the I went to junior competitions and there's, you know, there's no crowd. There's nobody yeah. paying any attention. There's no sponsorship. There's no no real interest in it. It's only when it becomes a senior sport that it becomes serious. Yeah. And, and so, yeah. And, and, and Japan's the other example. So I did a book. I went to Japan. I did a whole book on Japan as yeah. well. And they take college running incredibly serious, mm. which is partly why they don't – I mean, it, things are changing because of the Tokyo Olympics. So in the last five or six years with Tokyo on the horizon yeah. – they've started having a a kind of longer term outlook on things. But until recently in Japan, it was all about the college running. The college running is so much bigger than the professional running that people, I I spent some time with the professional team and the coach was like, the biggest job for me is to keep my athletes motivated because post, there's this big race at college, a Hakone Ekide and post that, you know, they they slight their careers peak at like 1920. And then, they like, what's the point anymore?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's an interesting, like when you, when uh, I've never been burdened by running for the win, uh, you know, I like I, mm. I joke, I think the last time I ran, I won a running race was like fifth grade or something, you know? So, yeah. um, so for me, it's not really ever about, well, if I knock, if I can't win it, I'm not, and I know a lot of people who are like that. They won't enter a race. They don't think they can win. And that's right. great yeah. for, you know, for some people, but for, man, it, you know, like I know some, actually one of the guys who used to work with me at, at Athlinks, he was like a one fifty two half miler. Um, and I couldn't get him to do a five K because he's just like, I'm just not the way I used to be. You know, I can't, you know, what if I get beat? I'm like, well, who cares? Like, what are you talking about? Like what, what press van is going to be pulling up writing stories about, you You know, it's, it's uh, just go yeah. run, have fun. So, but obviously for him, you know, he had put in his hours and miles and, you know, thought it was sort of quaint that I was still into it in my thirties and stuff. So, you know, <laughs> who knows, who knows. So when you, when you, um, you get older as we all do, and we, you know, you get that sort of uh, that layer and you, you decide you want to start, start losing it and you set foot out on the trails and, or the roads, I guess, in your case, originally, um, were you surprised to sort of see that, wow, you got some talent in this still kind of, you know, laying around?
1: <laughs> I did no, Cause I didn't really initially. I, my first 10 K I ran, <clears throat> I think I ran 47 minutes or something, which I actually thought was quite good. I had no idea yeah. by that point. I would forgotten what times were and what they meant. So I was kind of pleased with myself and, uh, I suppose then what happened is I, I guess throughout all that time from, from about 19 to about 35, when I didn't run, I kind of had it in the back of my mind that I could run and and every now and then I would still run here and there, put my running shoes on, go for a little run. Uh, So I guess a part of me was, was still deep down thinking, well, I'm still a bit competitive. So what I did is I got a job for Runners World magazine because by now I was a journalist and i was doing just their race reports in the in the part of england where i lived i would about once every two or three months i'd get sent to do a race and write a 300 word report on it so then i was having to train to to do the races because it was now work yeah. right so this was how i justified yeah. it to my wife and my we we had three small children i got to train because i got to run the race to write about it and if i don't run the race so i started training and so i started off with this 46 minute 10k which wasn't that good but then About two years later, something weird happened. I got to a, it was only the next 10k I ran actually, because I was mainly doing trail races. I got to another 10k and I somehow weirdly won it. And it Mm. was, uh, it was a, in hindsight, it was an amazing time. It was 38 minutes, but it was a lot quicker than I, I actually thought I'd I'd cut a corner somewhere or something. (laughs) I mean, I think in hindsight I hadn't, but at the time I was kind of with these group of guys and then. I kind of turned around a minute later and there was no one behind me. I didn't know what was going on, but anyways, I won the race. So then I did start thinking, Hey, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe yeah. this is, maybe I still got it. Maybe, or maybe I, it was even better than I thought it was. Uh, and so that was just before I went to
0: Kenya, but then I got a total uh, reality check yeah. in Kenya. <laughs> was it a reality check? Were you thinking that, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, the, the, the Kipchogis of the world that are running, you know, close to two hours are otherworldly. I mean, I can't,
1: yeah.
0: you know, I've put my GPS watch on and tried to, you know, like run at that pace yeah. and I can maintain it for about a hundred yards. I mean, it's just insane. Yeah, it's like 4.30, four, four milings uh, or something. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's ridiculous. So when you, w- like, what was your goal when you decided, so let, well, let me take a quick step back. So in those two years progression where you were, you, you run your first 10K in a long time, you jump back into the trails and then you run another 10K were you were you focused on those trail runs about getting faster was it just kind of building fitness and just having fun and then it just kind of accidentally got faster
1: yeah it was more that i wasn't doing that much structured training i mean i guess i probably was doing a bit of interval stuff if i remember from just from habit of being a you know teenage runner but it was yeah i didn't even have a watch to tie myself so i was just kind of having fun And, and just through running i guess I was so out of shape when I ran my first race that there was, it was always going to be quite a quick progression at that point. Uh, yeah. And then I got, I got to Kenya and well, I definitely, there was two things. There was one thing. So I did ask these Kenyans, I met these Kenyans in London before I went out there and I told them my 10 K time was 38 minutes thinking that was quite impressive. Yeah. And, uh, they looked a bit like bemused. yeah. <laughs> and then I said, I was like, well, what's the time? What's the slowest time in Kenya? And they were like, well, what do you mean? Are we including like juniors in this? I was like, yeah, let's include juniors. Are we including girls? I'm like, yeah. Okay. Junior girls as well. They're like about 32 minutes. <laughs> so then I was like, okay. So, so I went out there kind of nervous. Yeah. Uh but then, you know, I don't know if it's a, I don't know. Part of me still thought I, I had this as a kid that I don't know. Maybe a lot of runners have this, but deep down, you think you're if you just put the training yeah, together, if sure. everything just clicked, you could probably be way faster. Yeah. And I kind of thought I could deal with it. I thought something in me was able, you know, would, would be able to deal with it. And so I'd only been there a couple of weeks and I entered a race. Uh, and, and this was not even allowing for the altitude. You know, I hadn't adapted to the altitude or anything. And so I guess when I talk about baptism of fire, that's yeah. that's what I was talking about. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we, we there were like 800 people. It was a cross-country race, like 800 runners in this cross-country race. And they were not go. And it was probably about a 200-meter stretch to the first corner. And by the time I got to that corner, they were all out of sight. I mean, I was lost by miles. It gone. And and I, and I was sprinting flat, flat out. Yeah. Uh, the weird thing about Kenya is everybody wants to win that race. E- almost all 800 runners were, so they would have all hit that first 200 like they were going to win the race. So right. what's weird is loads of them drop out, end up dropping out because they've all overshot the mark. You know, oh, gone off way too quick. So in a way, I probably wasn't as far back as I was, but it gave me such a shock. And then yeah. so then I'm just sprinting for my life, just trying to. Keep the second or last guy in sight, and uh, and then it's it's it was twelve k. So there were these two k loops, and I think I was about halfway around the third loop. So I'd done about five k when I started getting lapped, and they were going by me at such speed that it just made me feel like you know I just, my legs weren't working, and and just yeah. one after the other, after the other, after the other. So so I ended up dropping out. I just. I, I say in the book, there's a fine line between uh, well, humbling and, and humiliation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> very I, fine. i had gone. This was a humbling experience. <laughs> so this was a humiliating experience. Yeah. Uh, I could tell people were looking at me like, yeah. just put yourself out of your misery yeah. here. This is this is not good. So yeah, so so there, so it's all relative, isn't it? You know, in some in some ways, I like when I came back from Kenya, I went back to my running club. Suddenly, I went from being the slowest guy in the whole town. Yeah to being in the fast group again. Right. And, you know, so so it's all relative, but yeah, nothing like Kenya to kind of put you in your place, well,
0: I think. And, and it's not totally unheard of or out of the question. If you're, again, you're two years into running again mm-hmm. and to think, okay, well, if I'm gonna go get some world-class training and run with the best in the world to take yeah. a minute off my pace. I mean, it's not like yeah. you were saying, you know, I'm going to go from an eight minute to a four minute, taking a minute off your pace. Yeah. Even if you were just to, Hey, let me, let me be competitive with the juniors, at least, you know, yeah. uh, it's certainly not out of the question. What was the, um, had you run at altitude? I'm trying to think of, uh, at that time, which races you had done at the time, you hadn't really done a lot of running at altitude. Had you?
1: No, Not i ne- I don't think I'd ever been yeah. running at altitude, to be honest. So yeah, so that took a bit of adaptation and uh yeah. No, I, I was I was green. I mean sometimes yeah. I think if I if I, if I knew what I if I kind of was really thinking about it and thinking it through and I knew what I know now. I was also a bit uninfo- uninformed, uneducated in in terms of the Kenyan running world. I mean I I'd followed athletics and track and field in like that the, the late 1980s, early 90s. And then there was this big gap in my knowledge. So I like I say, when I ran my 46 minute yeah. 10K, I had no idea where that was good yeah. or bad. I kind of lost <clears throat> my kind of sense of scale and perspective. Yeah. And so when I got to Kenya, yeah, I didn't really quite I didn't really quite have a plan how this was supposed to work. How was someone on my level yeah. supposed to live and train with these guys? But what happened was it 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 totally worked because of one Really crucial thing in that Kenyans do their slow running really slowly. Yeah, and so they would go and take me on the easy runs, and actually it was a bit difficult because they were too easy. You know, they were easy runs even for me. Their easy runs are so easy. So I was going along at you know nine ten minute okay. miles. So they're pace. like zone like one. A real,
0: they're just super. Yeah, yeah a okay.
1: real easy jog. Uh, and so for me to find a hard workout was difficult. Mm. I often had to do them on my own because. Obviously, if you join the Kenyans on a hard workout, yeah. It's uh That's where that it's humiliation. Got comedy kicks in. <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Which so, is probably good too, is that you didn't know because you would have just, well, you know, let me spend another year, let me spend another year getting faster, faster. And you know, you would have put that off forever, and maybe it never happens if you knew too much.
1: Yeah. Although there are examples. I mean, I'm I'm nowhere, I was way too old and not not as good, but there are examples of Like people who have been out there for a few years. the the Robertson twins. I don't know if you know about those guys from New Zealand. So they're both, they took quite a few years. They went out there when they were 17. They took four or five years before they really started getting any results, but they both run sub 60 half marathons now. So Mm -hmm. they're, they're serious. There's Julian Wonders is out there. There's a German athlete, Anka Esso who's out there who's uh, running the Olympic trials, who, who was kind of, you know, not not top athletes when they went out there, all of them, so yeah. it's possible, but i was I was too old right. to to be thinking like that. I was there for the story, yeah. I was there just to see who these guys were, just run with them and do whatever the whatever the outcome was this yeah. was the story, and, and I was going to try and do it
0: well, you put yourself through uh, a lot for the story I mean obviously you were hoping yeah. you were hoping to get faster, and you know you're running races out there what was your what was your ultimate like what was your expectation versus your goal versus what ended up being the reality going into that story time-wise, performance-wise. I for myself, yeah.
1: yeah, I had quite a simple goal, and it was only because, again, like I say, I'd lost my bearings on what was a good time, but I kind of had the sense that a sub-three-hour marathon was a decent marathon. Yeah. Uh, and I had no idea. I didn't even have a half-marathon time. Oh, no, I had I'd done a one-hour-thirty half-marathon. So I guess... I figured that that was my goal. So I came I came back and and I I did that. I did the New York Marathon in 255 after that. Okay. Uh but then f- for like 10k I did I did 34 for 10k when I came back. So it was a it was a good progression. Yeah. I mean, I I'm quite pleased with that. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> uh you know, by then I was nearly 40, so you know, it was uh yeah. So this, so, so I guess that was the idea, but really it was it was just about, I think I had this thing that I'd kind of had potential. Uh, I had some kind of talent, even if it wasn't world-beating talent. I had some kind of ability to run. And I just wouldn't have felt, you know, happy with myself if I'd got too old to run decent times and just just hadn't even given it a go. And I just thought, I just wanted to, and I, and I felt like sub-three-hour marathon for me. Although I think if I'd, you know, taken it seriously my whole life, I probably could have run a sub 230 marathon maybe
0: yeah
1: it it, wasn't really important the idea was just to to get out there I I remember watching the London Marathon before I went to Kenya and seeing these people struggling by and giving it everything and I'd never done a marathon and thinking well I I thought I you know deep down in my heart I'm a runner here I should be out there I shouldn't be standing here watching you know my pint of beer I should be out there on the road and I didn't you know I kind of knew I'd missed the chance to, you know, run 225 or whatever I might have run. Uh, but yeah, and I was never going to run. I didn't, I wasn't one of those super talent guys who were going to run, yeah. you know, international level. So in a way, if that had been the case, maybe I'd have bigger regrets, but it just, well, I wasn't that good. So, so yeah, I kind of sub three was my goal. I did it. And in a way it was almost, I did it kind of j- comfortable enough like 2.55, I had five minutes to spare, that it wasn't a big drama in the end. Yeah. <laughs> but, and then then I was like, yeah, well, what do I do now? I guess, you know, and it was, uh, I guess in the end, that's where you get, you end up hearing about ultra running yeah. and then you hear about, you know, you go go off in that direction.
0: How much did, um, you've mentioned it a couple of times that you were, you know, quote, too too old. How much did that play into going farther? So did you feel like at your age, you'd probably like yeah maybe you could get down to 245 or a little bit faster but it's not like you were ever going to really hit those elite times um, did that play a factor in or were you just kind of did you feel like you had topped out or were you fascinated by the ultra and the trail scene like why ultra versus trying to just keep grinding and getting faster at those distances i you know
1: again it was the stories yeah. really i think if it if it was if i was just running purely running, I'd probably still be, you know, doing well, I my goal was I said 250 is slightly annoying time. I wanted 249. So I think that's where I was at when I started thinking yeah. about ultra running. And I thought of ultra running initially. So when I got asked to run the Amman Desert Marathon, I actually said no to the yeah. FT. And and it's a it's a great newspaper. They pay well. It was a good job. But I just in my head that wasn't Breaking. what I did. I wasn't interested. Yeah. So I said to them, no, well, I don't do that kind of thing. I'm like a road runner i'm a 10k runner i'm like that's not my cup of tea and then i said to my wife that oh the ft called me today and they said you know you want to run 100 miles across the desert and she said it it doesn't even that make sense but you just said oh i thought you like running you said don't people pay a lot of money to go and do that and then i just started thinking well why do they pay a lot of money to go and do that that's you're right i mean it was like i don't know it was probably over a thousand dollars or something to go and do that race and i was being offered a place and then i just my kind of perspective changed, and rather than having my runner hat on, like my oh, I want to run two forty nine, or maybe I can't do it, maybe I should run further. I just suddenly thought, well, as an experience, wow, running across the desert—that's well, that's, that's got to be like interesting, yeah. right? That's got to yeah. be like—and I had this vision of running because one of the stages was a night stage, and running at night across the desert and just traversing a hundred miles on your own steam. With your own two legs. It just felt like quite it's like a story you could tell the grandchildren. Right? It's so Whereas, romantic, yeah. Was, yeah. So so I, I kind of it was more it was more that that was appealing rather than the fact that I couldn't break 250 or anything to do with times. And then actually I was on the race and the characters on the race, the other runners was so different to the kind of road runners. Yeah. Just kind of these kind of manic, slightly deranged. <laughs> In a good way, kind of intense people. I just started yeah. thinking there's a real, you know, this is amazing subject material. Yeah. As a writer, I was really attracted to it as a writer. And there was this Italian guy. He just said to me, if you go to the crazy places, you meet the crazy people. <laughs> and and that really stuck yeah. in my head. I just thought, oh, there's a bit. And, and also this idea of like, you know, when, when I started looking more into ultra running and these, you know, hundreds of miles, hundred miles, 200 miles, up the mountains, around the mountains. It just, it just really fascinated me yeah. what, what the experience was like rather than as a runner, but as just as a person, as a human being, yeah. as someone wanting to experience life to the fullest. It was like, well, I've done lots of road marathons. I've done half marathons. Part of me, the runner part of me still wants to run sub 250 and is still trying to find a space in my calendar where I can take six months out to just road run. But I guess... I've got to the point where my running is like my personal running goals are not as important as, as my kind of professional goals as a writer. Right. And also this desire to just the, the fun of being out in the mountains and, and living those intense experiences just kind of trumps yeah. the, the slightly nerdy part of me that just doesn't like 250 and wants 249. Yeah.
0: Well, it's funny, you know, it's interesting to hear you say it because when I was reading the book, it. I mean, I know that it was presented to you by the Financial Times, but part of me was like, well, he always, you know, this was like, I've been waiting to do this and I just got my golden ticket kind of thing. But it's interesting yeah. to hear that you yeah. really hadn't, it sounds like hadn't given it much thought, the ultra side of things. You were very no, really, much in that no. road running mindset. Yeah,
1: I kind of saw it, you know, when you look at the splits of people are running and, and you know, when you're, when you're a road runner or a track runner, you're really obsessed with the mm-hmm. splits. And like, even in a race, it's like slower than 10 minute mile pace. And you think, ah, oh, that's not running. That's, yeah. What are they doing? And then you'd watch the videos and they're walking up the hill and you think anyone could do right. that. You know, that's just, that's easy. Yeah. But then obviously, then you do it. <laughs> I don't know if you've done any ultra running, but if you do it, yeah. it's a completely different story. And, that, and then I get to the point where I'm running these races and I've been beaten by like people who've got similar times to me on the road. Yeah are beating me by 10, 15 hours yeah. in an alternate. And I'm like, how? What is going on? What What, I, what am I doing wrong? Yeah. Or what are they doing right? And it's like you say, it's almost two different sports.
0: Yeah. Uh, it was interesting. And, that. And uh, I'm, I'm sorry. The, you 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 pointed that there's a couple of great, well, there's a thousand great stories in in these books. But the, the one when you showed up at the airport, and they announced like, oh, the shuttle, you know, isn't going to run. And, you know, we're, we're going to have to stay in the airport overnight. And you're like, you're looking for, you know, like the concierge to go complain to and everybody else that was there just like unrolls the bedroll, just grabs a corner. And, and it didn't click for you until I think you were on the race or after the race where you realized, oh, it's just, that's the mindset you have to be in of just, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah yeah it's a completely different mindset and and I thought about that moment a lot through the whole ultra running and it just yeah you're just dealing with you know things the whole time yeah. and 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 the running is just a small part of it when you're doing a road race, it's all about optimizing everything around the run yeah. the run is big like it's what it's all about Or when you're doing an ultra run just you know, there's so much more involved. It's so running is almost almost the wrong word. Yeah. Ultra running. It's not really. I mean, it depends on that. Obviously, a hundred k on on the road is is, is running. Yeah. But when you get into the mountains, it's it's
0: kind of ultra moving. <laughs> yeah, for sure. ultra, ultra eating, ultra moving, moving, ultra yeah. <laughs> ultra trying not to throw up. Yeah, all yeah. all of those yeah. different things. It is interesting because the as you say, like when you're doing a sub three marathon, you're Um, your windows of decisions and things are within minutes, you know, like you have to make sure that you get that gel right at the right time. And, you know, those types of things. Um, and I've paced at like the Leadville 100, um, and, and the amount, like the, the vast amounts of time where you're freezing, you're hungry, you're thirsty, um, and one little mistake in all of these things and you're done, you know, like in the course of a 30 hour race, you make one mistake and you can't overcome it mentally. Cause it's usually, you know, you didn't eat or you couldn't eat or you couldn't drink. And then you hit some pain cave and you can't find your way out of it. Mentally, physically, you could, you could rehydrate, you could, you know, add the calories back in, but, um, and your transcendence run where you were, you know, in the back of your car, like trying to sleep, but then you feel guilty because you're trying to sleep. And then you get out of the car and all of a sudden you find it again and you're able to run those, that had to have been far more surprising to you than the physical side of it is how mentally tough you, you found yourself to be.
1: Yeah. And I guess I'd never really been that challenged mentally. I think so. I kind of I totally bought my this idea that I was finished in each one of these races uh and thought it was a physical thing. I was convinced you know I'm just too tired or you know my feet hurt too much or and every time i I always like you see you get into the pancake, but every time I did somehow manage to get out of it, and often it wasn't just my own you know doggedness, often it was some external factor or or something else happened. But something always got me out of it. And it was always, it was always like amazing. Like I couldn't understand what was happening to me. Like the Miwok 100 in, in California, I think that was the first time it happened. And I just couldn't, it I felt like I was on drugs. Or this something. one you're hallucinating? I'm- it, no it wasn't hallucinating so what happened I was really struggling it's 100k and I basically I've got this tiny little cup and I'm at the aid stations yeah. trying to fill up the cup and this guy just gives me this huge cup he says that's not a cup this is a cup and he refills me uh it was with tailwind I mean I, for ages I thought tailwind was this magic drink <laughs> but it just, I think it was just I suddenly got some proper liquid on, yeah. on board but it wasn't just that as well I think then I was about 50 miles in so I I kind of hike up this hill and then it it kind of gets to the top of the hill and I I then realise I've got ten miles to go. I've just had this huge drink, mm-hmm. but I've been I've been like I've had a twenty mile bad patch. Like I've been I've been struggling to move for twenty miles, and I just decide to run. Yeah, that's how it happens. I, I see this little this hill, like no more than twenty meters long, or twenty feet or something like that, and and I think I'll just run up that hill. I haven't run up a single thing yeah. the whole times for the last twenty miles. And I just, just that just to, cause I've got to get there eventually. Yeah. Like this is taking too long. I started start worrying I'm not going to make the final cutoffs and all sorts of things. And I run up this little hill and somehow I didn't even expect to be able to do it. And I did it. And then I just carried on running down the other side and there was all these little rolling hills. And I said, like, Oh, I'll just do the next one as well. And I, I just realized I felt fine. Yeah. It's like everything, all that 20 miles of struggle and heat and pain and, and negative thoughts and was just gone, and then I down the next one, out there. and before I knew it, I was probably. I actually looked back because they had like checkpoints with different splits, and apart from the guy who won, I think I was the second fastest guy to this next five mile section. Crazy. So I was just I was doing sub seven minute wow. for the next five miles, and it was just so, I was like I was I was like yelping, and and this is not like my character. Yeah. I'm not one of these people who normally does this kind of thing. And people were like, like people I was passing. I was going go no, go no, go, no. and they were like, "You're slaughtering him, man!" And I say, like, and I got to the aid station with like a few miles to go, and they said, "What do you want?" I said, "I don't need anything. I'm I'm like flying here, and I just ran straight through." And then I was a big mistake because yeah. then, <laughs> yeah, famous last. I kind time. of crashed a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> but but it was so surprising. It was so weird. It was so bizarre. And then, and then it kind of happened again, not quite so badly, but the next two or three races. And it was only then that I realized. So then I was trying to work out what it was. Yeah. So I was like, well, it must have been that drink, right? That was definitely the drink. So what I've got to do is make sure I drink. But then the next race, it was something else. It was my shoes. I changed my shoes and suddenly I had this same sensation. And then, and then I realized after a while that it was none of these things. These were the things my mind was yeah. just using as excuses. Uh-huh. And I really it was my mind itself that was slowing me down Yeah, they were like, the, and that was a, yeah. And that was a huge realization. And then after you get through that, then, I mean, it still doesn't make it easy because your mind's still does very powerful it, yeah. And, and yeah, it still does it. But it, it's a huge breakthrough. I mean, I remember the Lavaredo race, which was probably the one ultra i I got pretty well the whole That's way great. through and I was, only, I was only about 10 miles in and we're going down this hill and my knee started hurting. And I remember saying to myself, ah, oh, come on, you're going to have to try harder than that. You know, uh, a sore knee already? This is not happening. And it went like wow. that. Wow. I was like, no, I'm not taking yeah. no sore knees. <laughs> huh. I and mean, of course, it's possible you do have a bad knee and then that doesn't happen. But I, yeah. you know, you start realizing that you're in a battle with yourself. And, and in a way, the weird thing is that part of you that's trying to slow you down is only trying to help you. It's only trying to, Protect you right. physically. He doesn't want you to break yourself. So it's not like that's weakness and your strength. It's it's more subtle than that. Oh, it's interesting. It's about realizing where you know what you can do and and how much you can do. And and the thing is, it. I think I describe it as like over overprotective mother or something. Yeah. It, it kind of tries to tell you before you really need oh. to slow down that you need to slow down.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, and that is the frustrating part of all of it is knowing, well, it's frustrating trying to figure out when it's real and then mm-hmm. having your experience where you have blown through it so many times now, is there some part of you that fears that you're not going to listen when you should listen that, you know, your body really is in in some level of distress or you're running through an injury or I've got this IT band thing no. that's going, it's yeah. driving me insane. And I was right. listening to your book as I was, okay, no. And I didn't stop. It hit me at 16 miles and I kept pushing another six miles. And right. and it was weird because the pain would sort of go away and then it would come back and it would go away and come back. Yeah. And then the last half, mi- I could see my car and the last like three quarters of miles is downhill section. And every step was just excruciating. But I could tell I wasn't injuring myself. It wasn't like I had yeah. some cartilage that was tearing. It was just that, you know, sort of pounding, you know, kind of bruising type of thing. And and I was, that was the thing that I was, the puzzle I was trying to solve in my brain is, can, am I going to break through this? Am I going to take a step that all of a sudden doesn't hurt? Or am I just hurting myself or whatever? Like, how do you, how do you judge that in your own mind when that's happening to you?
1: Yeah, I guess... I guess I don't know. I think that comes with experience. I've spoken to more, you know, more experienced ultra runners than me about this, and and they say you just get to, you get to recognize when when you're just you know you're low on energy or you know you, or you need to change your shoes or you need to have a five minute kip or whatever. Yeah. You, they say that comes with experience, and I feel like it does. You kind of feel like you get a sense of when your body is when your mind is playing with you and when your body is genuinely hurt and i and i didn't have that experience in those first few runs which is why i was falling so badly for what i think now i would realize mm. oh this is just mind games with myself yeah. it's me just trying to slow myself down whereas i think if you get really you know you've got an injury or something but i don't know that for sure right. i haven't really been in a situation where i've had a genuine injury yeah saying so that, i'm just thinking of a race where there was a guy on at one of the aid stations on a medical bed getting his knee stitched up and the doctor was telling him his race was finished and he was insisting he carry on. And there was no way. I mean, his knee had was a, a massive gash yeah. in his knee, like properly being stitched up. And he had like 50 miles in the mountains to go. Yeah. I was like, that guy came out. So some, so I guess there is that danger right. if you really badly want it. And I guess sometimes maybe finishing the race is more important to you than your health. I don't yeah. know. It depends on the race and the person, but yeah, yeah. I, I feel like I would know now. I feel like I have enough experience now that I would know, but I guess it's not a, it's not a definite yeah. yes or no. There's, there's, it's like you say, in your case, there's a judgment call to make here. Yeah. Is this a real injury or is this just, you know, I get, I guess you get to an aid station, you get somebody to look at it, give you a second opinion. Yeah.
0: Well, it's frustrating because I've I've had things, and it sounds like what you're talking about, where you almost have this like placebo action happen. So whether it was changing your shoes or you had the tailwind, there's some symbolic gesture that happens that then your brain can say, yep, that was the thing, and then you start to feel yes. better. And I've I've had similar things where I've, let me pull my toe in, let me, you know, run this way or do, you know, overstride understride do some change and then all of a sudden you can you can stave it off for some amount of time but it's i can't imagine the because how many miles at that transcendent run because you ran like what 87 ish miles somewhere in that ballpark yeah something like that yeah so you
1: it's not a very impressive distance well it's but. still
0: a pretty da- i mean how oh, the thing is, like, you know, I'll run a big loop and you don't have a choice. You're finishing, whether you're walking, crawling, whatever, yeah. you're finishing. Running yeah. around a track where you can stop at any time, that's, that's, yeah. that is an insanely impressive um, distance to me. But when you were in the aid station and, you know, the nurse or whatever was asking you, you know, are you injured? And here you are in excruciating pain. It was like, you couldn't even run 10 yeah. feet. And you're like, no, I'm not injured. And it's funny. I'm sure yeah. people listening, are wondering, well, how can you be in excruciating pain but not be injured? You know? Yeah. And it's a subtle yeah. difference between no, I'm just in pain but not injured. Yeah. You know?
1: Yeah. I think you're right. Exactly. That's that's interesting. I hadn't thought of that. But yeah, exactly. Even though I knew it, it was pain, it, it wasn't yeah, I knew, I knew you're right. I knew I even there it was in the in the in the answer I gave, I knew I could carry on. Yeah. Which was what yeah, see I I didn't have the experience at that point to see, even see that even in my own answer, mm-hmm. I thought, no, I can't carry on. And that guys that's why he asked me it because he knew, he knew from his experience that if I'm not injured, I can carry yeah. on. So he was kind of pointing that out to me by asking me, are you injured? Yeah.
0: Oh, that's and, right. It was and I guess runner. I sat
1: down. Yeah. Yeah. And I sat down I thought, well, no, I'm not injured. I have to admit that to myself, yeah. but I still can't carry on. And he just was like, it just left me with that. He didn't say anything else. It just left me to ponder <laughs> that. And in some ways, I guess the penny dropped a few minutes yeah. later, and I, I, it was that was the conversation that got me back yeah. running. Actually, yeah.
0: so, it's like a, yeah. in a Stephen King novel, that guy would have died the year before, and then everyone would have told you, yeah. on." He—he wasn't here. <laughs> that wasn't a yeah. real guy. <laughs>
1: it, it's weird, actually. He's like someone from a Stephen King novel because his his name's Kartik, and I keep meeting people called Kartik who uh. I just assume because it's such an unusual name. Who in the running world, who's who I assume it's him, yeah, because that like on, online and stuff, I get I've had a couple of messages from a kartik, and so I start talking back because, like, oh, you know, it's so great what you said to me that, and they like get back to me, like, what are you
0: talking yeah. about? <laughs> <laughs> so I'm still wondering whether he was real or whether I imagined him. No, it's a ghost, <laughs> I like that part of the story <clears throat> better. <laughs> so you, you start with, I'm still so impressed with the, you know, you. Like the the stage racing, what first off, what is harder, the hundred miles over multiple days where you have to stop and then ponder each morning starting again, or doing it all in one go, and how do they differ in that regard? Like what what is more mental, which one is more physical? Do you think?
1: Yeah, it, it is interesting actually. I because I that that race the difficulty was not the distance, it was it was the sand. Yeah. I mean, I and I had no practice, no experience running on sand. And I'd been missold that race. I've been told it was not really sand, it was like firm yeah. dirt, you know, firm dirt kind of tracks. And it totally wasn't. So so that one kind of it was just that repetitive action in the sand that completely destroyed me. But in, in effect, we were only doing about twenty K most days. So in a way, it should have been quite manageable if yeah. I'd practiced and but I did do, I did do a kind of crazy sequence of races where I did, a, the, I did the 24 hour track race, but just a few two weeks before that, I did 135 miles in three days. Okay. And then two weeks after, I did 100 miles in one go. And I thought in my head, 135 miles in three days was not going to be that difficult yeah. because it's only like 35 miles, 40 miles a day. And I thought, well, that, you know, just take it easy. You can do that. And so the 100 miles was going to be the real challenge. But it was weird because somehow that going to sleep and getting up again, you kind of stiffen up. Everything sure. stiffens up. And you get up and you can barely walk. Yeah. And and also when you do an ultra marathon you you going kind to of get home, you go to bed, you know, you're not doing anything for a week. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You've got to get up and do a, another ultramarathon the next day. And also in that race, we were, we, I, I decided to use the official race facilities because I just felt like that was because there was an option to book yourself a hotel along mm. the route and have a nice, and I didn't have a crew either. So I was staying, but the official race facilities was like a, a sports hall uh, and just sleeping on the floor, like on a hard wooden floor. And then the second night was in this like local community center again with the lights on yeah. people coming in and out the door open wind blowing. So I, I didn't sleep at all. I just lay down and just got stiff and kind of whimpered and then had to get up. And so this race in my head, which was going to be quite manageable, became almost probably the hardest race I did. Mm. But I think if you went home to a hotel, I had like a, Nice bath, had a massage. Yeah. So so I, I guess it depends. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that would have been easier. Uh huh. but they're, they're different. So yeah, there is that sense like each each day in itself is manageable, but there is a cumulative <laughs> effect of of waking up and, and just but but at the same time your body seems to go into this hyper repair mode. So I would get up in the morning and think, oh my god, I can barely yeah. walk. Like you know, I can barely pick my bag up. And I've got to run 65 miles today. This is stupid. And then half a mile into the run, you're running and you're back into it again. But your body can deal with so much more than you're expecting.
0: Did you notice one versus the other um, post-race? Like, you know, you do these... I've noticed anytime I go race up in Leadville, like for weeks after, I'm in... It feels like my fitness just jumps up a big level. Mm. And um, like, do you notice... One versus the other in terms of a stage race versus a, a single effort um, is one better than the other? Or have you ever noticed a difference in your fitness after the race?
1: Yeah, not not really. Yeah. I'm I can't think of it. I mean, I kind of feel like the stage race potentially is. If you think about it as training, right. is probably, probably better. better because 100 miles in one go is just it's just not. I don't know, it feels so
0: destructive. Yeah, unless you're Courtney Doubles <laughs> I mean, or somebody, at some point it's more yeah. survival than anything else. Yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, I actually my first hundred mile race, I got uh kind of pins and needles. Do you have that expression pins yep. and needles where your feet yep. are kind of tingling? I had that after the race for about it, it gradually got better, but it took about two years to get better. Whoa. So my feet tingled. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Two years? So that
1: yeah it, Oh my god. You know, I almost. This is now about three years later. If I if I really kind of focus on it, I can probably still sense the wow. very tiniest tingling in my toes. Uh, so so yeah, weird things can happen to you on ultra runs but then yeah. that probably could have happened on the multi-stage one as well i don't know
0: yeah it's a it's a i haven't i haven't really had i'm training for a 50 miler right now and i i haven't really had a desire yet to go 100 for what you just said like i i've talked to people who've done hundreds before who said it kind of ruined yeah. them um yeah and knowing my body the fact that i can't just like breeze through a marathon you know uh kind of yeah. tells me 50 50 might be my, my uh my limit but we'll see i don't know i don't know
1: yeah there's definitely something about 100 miles i mean i did that lavorator race was 78 miles which in my head wasn't that much so i did that before the utmb and i thought well it's not that much further and 100k 100 miles it's not that much further but every the 200 mile races i did where I, i got into a zone in that last yeah at a certain point anyway near the end where it was completely different to the shorter races where, yeah, you're, I guess the cumulative time as well that I, so I was going quite slowly. So I was in both cases, I was out there for over 40 hours. Yeah. So it's two nights, went through two nights without sleep and sleep deprivation combined with, you know, just being on your feet that long yeah. just pushed me into a, a zone, which I'm not in a hurry to get back to. So like I, I obviously I haven't been, I've been able to race for a while, but, the, the ultra runs I've been looking at have been shorter than 100 miles.
0: <laughs> yeah, everybody that I've talked to has said that. Like, if you can make it through dawn, you're, you're, that's like, a, you know, that's a huge exponential hill to climb, is just making it yeah. to sunrise is, is just so important. And I've often wondered, are you better off? Cause I, when I paced uh, at Leadville, I picked up my guy late. I think it was about 11 p.m. And then we, we ended up having to walk all 15 miles. His feet were just destroyed. Right. And so we were together okay. for a little over four hours or f- maybe five hours, but it was, it was getting to that point. It was really cold. It was three-ish o'clock in the morning. And that's what everybody kept saying, You know, hey, you know, sunrise is right. And I, yeah. I didn't, but I wonder in retrospect, should I just said, hey, let's just, why don't we just like sit down and close our eyes for a little while? Like, let's just burn yeah. an hour asleep and then get up and we're an hour closer to sunrise and make it through. Cause then he got, he got pulled off course there shortly thereafter. He just couldn't make oh, it. Yeah. at 70, he made yeah. it 76, 77 miles, you know?
1: So what time is, sunrise? so it depends obviously, obviously different yeah. parts of the world, different times of year sunrise is different, but yeah, if it can take a while for sunrise yeah. to come, you keep, like, it should be, should be light by now. <laughs> yeah. like, where's, the, where's the sun? Am I, what's going on? Mm, yeah. The sun should be here. Yeah, But uh, I actually my 200 mile races, both of them I expected to be finished before the second okay. night. So I kind of wasn't in my mind prepared yeah. for a second night. and actually both of them then I had to go through. I know one of them I didn't go through the whole second night, but that that was, I guess, mentally very challenging, to be going into the dark again, because like you say, getting through the night is such a huge achievement and you're just like oh now now i'm on the home straight yeah but when you start going into the night again unexpectedly it's like whoa wait a minute this is yeah <laughs> this is almost like going back uphill again when you weren't you thought you were on the downhill stretch and you to yeah. go back up another mountain like, what is it about i the mean night- some people love some people love the night running yeah. but i yeah i i i didn't love it, it your you yeah. your mind is more I don't know, it plays more tricks on you. You, okay. you see things... You know, everything feels worse at night, I think. More yeah, more intense. more... When things go wrong, they seem like they're going more wrong.
0: Yeah, it, it took a lot more energy to... One, it was getting really... Most of it was in the forest, and then the last, like, three miles, you got out onto this road, and the road, the temperature dropped, like, 15 degrees once we got on the road. But I did notice it took so much effort to see, you know, like you, there was some, yeah. you were burning, I don't know, mental calories or whatever, just getting your bearings. Yeah. And, you know, it was a well-marked course. So there was no it- orienteering. Mm. It wasn't that it was just, you know, like you'd hear yeah. something and then you're turning and you're looking and you're trying to figure out yeah. what you're seeing. And, and it it did burn matches just trying to sort of get your bearings at night. Yeah.
1: I guess it also depends how used to it you are. If, if, yeah. if you've done a lot of practice running in, in the, uh, in the dark and you you know to you it's just normal then you're probably okay but i hadn't and and maybe you hadn't and and so then you're in a new everything's new everything's kind of alien and that how you i kept i kept tripping i remember the first time i ran in the night i kept tripping over harmless like little twigs or rocks that you know i wouldn't normally trip over and and actually i was on the side of a mountain as well so that was I kept, i stop tripping. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, you keep falling over. It's just, yeah. I mean, I didn't actually fall over, but just stumbling, but it felt, it felt really exhausting, I think was the word. Yeah. Yep. It's just, whew. yeah. It's it just really longing, longing for the day to come.
0: Yeah. If you just one little, <clears throat> one little jarring trip when you're dehydrated, when you've been running for a long yeah. time and you, you know, it can cause cramps, it can do all sorts yeah. of exhausting things to your body.
1: Yeah, that's crazy. I remember one point. At one point, I just I was just kind of watching the trail, and you just see the light and and nothing else. And suddenly, this huge head with these huge horns appears there. It's like a cow, but it's like mountain cow in the Alps with these massive horns. But I just was so unexpected. I nearly I nearly screamed. I was like, "What?" Yeah, <laughs> just in yeah. there chewing. You know, just looking at me. Like, whoa, sitting right on the trail.
0: Like, yeah. Wow. <laughs> and there's a match burned, you know, you're, you're just that adrenaline yeah, exactly. spike and everything. Man. Exactly. Wow. That was, a, that was one gone like that. <laughs> which, um, so you ended up doing, um, UTMB, wh- which in, in that stretch of all those races from Amanda, to U- UTMB, like wh- what, what? What is most in your wheelhouse? Like, what, what was your favorite of all the races? Take prestige and all the other things out of it, but just physically, while you were on course, which was your favorite? I mean, I mean, it was probably the
1: Lavaredo Ultra Trail in, in Italy, but partly that's it was a beautiful, yeah. wonderful course, a wonderful race. But it was also the race where I felt I didn't have this huge crisis, right? I wasn't, I didn't really get, into the pain cave. I didn't have this moment where I thought I can't carry on. I started off, it's a one race I started off really slowly. So I was kind of moving through the field the whole time. So I was passing a lot of people who were in this kind of state I was normally in like just barely moving looking dejected looking like they were really facing their demons and i was just kind of happily passing yeah. them as as i've seen other people pass me so i really enjoyed that and 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 there's a big the last like 10 miles of that race is pretty much all downhill mm. and i was feeling strong so i was rolling down that hill and it was sunset and I knew there was pizza waiting for me, and it was just like, "Oh, this is I'm in heaven here." I, yeah. And also, it's a, it's 78 miles, so it's still a long race. <laughs> yeah, and to get through that feeling strong felt like I, it was the first race where I felt like oh, I'm now now I feel like I'm an ultra runner now. Yeah. all the others I I never felt felt like I was a guy who'd done an ultra run, but had kind of somehow clawed like his it. way around. But this yeah. time, I felt like. Yeah, I'm I'm an ultra runner. I can go out into the mountains, 78 miles. You know, I mean, it took 20 20 hours or something. But it was like, you know, yeah. I mean, I was, yeah. I still, I think Hayden Hawks won that day, and and he was still, I don't know, at least
0: 10 hours ahead of me somehow. That's, <laughs> That's ridiculous. How much of how much of I your mean, success that day was the training, planning, the things you did right versus do you think just the stars kind of aligning? Like, did you do anything different? I, in that race well,
1: yeah so i think the the big difference is and it was partly it wasn't my plan but the they got us all on the start it was quite a big race and they got us on the start about an hour before the actual start mm-hmm. and i just thought that's crazy i i don't i don't want to stand and it was starts at eleven thirty at night so it wasn't that cold but it was a bit cold okay. And i said i don't want to stand before this race for an hour on this hard ground with all these other people. Everyone was chatting. Everyone was with friends. They were chatting, Italians excited. And so I decided I wasn't going to join the start till the last minute. So, but when I did that, when I got there, it was kind of a long funnel. So I was right at the back. Mm. And then when the race started it, it, it funneled through these narrow trails. And so for the first maybe five or six miles. I couldn't get beyond walking pace. And so it was the first race where I started really slowly, probably how I should have started the more. Yeah. Uh, and then you just, and that, that made a huge difference. And it was also, it was my second last ultra. So by then I had the experience. So like when my knee started hurting, for yeah. example, that time I knew no, I'm not, that's not real. That's not real. I had the kind of tricks at my sleeve. I had a big cup. <laughs> I know no longer had a small cup. Yeah. I had learned all the small lessons. I'd also learned to descend. One of the biggest lessons I had, uh, doing the ultra run, the first time I ran in the mountains, I'd never really done these big, long descents yeah. before. Cause I don't really live anywhere near mountains. And, uh, I was really sort of slow and cumbersome. And what I realized is by being slow and cumbersome, not only are you slow, but you're using up a lot of muscle energy, just slowing yourself down. Yeah. And I was losing so much ground and, and getting exhausted. So I, I went up to the Lake District. I I got some coaching on how to descend. I I kind of went through this experience in that race, actually, where I uh, ended up. It's a long story, but ended up descending, having a lesson in descending that time when I was hallucinating, and I thought I've got to get down quickly.
0: Yeah.
1: And so by the Lavaredo race, I'd kind of fully had descending down, and so I was enjoying the descents and I was skipping the descents and just kind of rolling them, and it was. It was yeah. a world of difference. So I was, the, I was the guy passing people, as opposed to the guy kind of holding on on the steep bits.
0: And, yeah, yeah. And, and yeah. So what was the technique where you were using? Was it more leaning into it and just kind of letting your hips go, or, or how did you think? Not about
1: it? really. Uh, I mean, short steps is one thing I was doing. So it almost and almost kind of skipping. So if you're like putting everything into each step, yeah. and then one step and that foot goes because it lands on something unstable, you're kind of done. Whereas if you're skipping. You're kind of never fully on one step. So your next foot's always coming down. And then the other thing I learned was just looking not where you're putting your feet, but kind of a bit further ahead. And you let your brain fills it in somehow. I mean, even you can't think about it because if you you think about it, it, it feels weird because you're not actually looking where you're putting your feet, but it works so much better. There's a uh, so I say the Lake District, it's the English Lake District where they, they do the fell running yep. in, in England and they're incredible at descending. And, and I had a lesson up there and they were like, <clears throat> their saying is, brain off breaks off. So you just, you don't think, you just look, look where you're going, but mm. not where your feet are. But look ahead and just, just let, let your kind of subconscious mind take over. And it, and obviously that takes practice and it's about expanding your. Ability to do that by practicing it, yeah, and, uh, yeah. It it was, and then and then it's fun, and then you kind of like, I mean, uh, yeah, I was enjoy- the most fun you can have running actually. After all those years road running, yeah. my favorite thing to do on a in a run is get a really nice long descent on a mountain trail, and it's just it's like being on a on a fun fair or something. It's yeah. it's wonderful.
0: What's well, <laughs> interesting because like ultra running, you know, I've always had this philosophy of of especially in the, on the business side and in life in general is don't work too hard on your weaknesses like try to make your strengths really really strong cuz you can always hire yeah. for your weaknesses or you know work at, whatever you can cover for your weaknesses but ultra running is very different like if you're not good at descending i i guess you can avoid hilly courses perhaps but yeah, at true. some point you like ultra even at a marathon distance, you are going to like, you're only as strong as that weakest link. I mean, it is no more yeah. true than on course where you can't descend and you're blowing your legs out. Like you're, you're, yeah. you're done, you know? Yeah. So you have to yeah. work on those weaknesses.
1: Yeah, it's true actually because, because one small thing gets amplified. you know, if, you, if there's something that big, yeah, it's just, it's gonna, yeah, you do one descent and then you, and then there's another one coming and you just, yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. you got to, you got to, you got to work on the weaknesses, I think, for sure. Yeah. yeah, you can't, you can't get someone else in to kind of do it nope. for you and ultra. Nope.
0: Yeah, I had a uh, PT years and years ago who, you know, I was like, oh, my knee is hurting. It's this. And, you know, and he, he goes, well, what happens when I just tap on your knee like this? And I said, nothing. It doesn't hurt at all. He goes, now, what if I did this 10,000 times? <laughs> Yeah, it probably, yeah. probably hurt a lot, you know, and so that put it into perspective with me of just, okay, that one little mechanical error that I have, if you don't fix it when you try to extrapolate that over a marathon or two marathons or four yeah. marathons, um, that's going to get pretty bad. Yeah, what's on, the, uh, what's on the agenda? What are you doing these days? I noticed on the, um, on the Way of the Runner um, website or blog, the, these adventures that you've got going, these kind of running camps, Writing camp clinic adventures, yeah. super
1: cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're fun. We've had a few people come from the US actually, just weirdly, just for the weekend to to come to, to Dartmoor, which is uh, you know, some people know it from uh, uh Sherlock Holmes' Hound of the Baskervilles that's it's that area. Or
0: okay. uh, there's
1: a film, An American Werewolf in London. Oh, okay. I don't know if anyone, oh yeah,
0: I love that
1: movie. He goes to Dartmoor on that, so it's that, it's that kind of wild, bleak landscape. Beware the and, moors. Uh, yeah, we just we just trail run basically and, and I tell my stories and we do we do things like practice the downhill techniques. I have a, a technique coach there who's who's good at that kind of stuff. And uh yeah I tend to get a lot of people f- usually I guess from like London and, and the big cities who aren't so comfortable on the trails but want to experience it coming down. And then I do one one writing and running uh, weekend a year with a, uh, I don't know how well known he is in the U S an, an author called Richard Asquith who wrote, writes about running. He wrote a really lovely book called feet in the clouds mm. about the English fell running scene. Uh, definitely worth checking out anyway. Uh, yeah. And we, we, so we just run, I mean, the running is kind of just, we all like running and also it's just to get the creative juices flowing. But then I guess the main focus of that weekend is, is more the writing. So we go out for runs, then we come back all energized and feeling good from the run. And then we sit down and do some writing and oh. writing exercises and talk about writing. That's interesting. So, uh, yeah. yeah, I have done in the past, I haven't, net, I, I've, I'm tentatively organizing a trip to Kenya as well. So, uh, but in the past, I've done about five or six two week trips to Kenya where we, uh, for anyone who's read the book, yeah. Godfrey. If you remember oh, Godfrey yeah. is, is the guide. So it's always an adventure with Godfrey around, uh, and Jaffet and Beatrice come and help do the pacing. And so, yeah, it's, it's kind of fun, but I, luckily this year I decided to take a year off cause it's quite a lot of time out from the family and everything else. So I, I decided in 2020 not to do the camp and then the pandemic hit. So oh, okay. it was a good year. So you'd already to decided do it anyway. yeah,
0: Yeah. What would one hope to get from two weeks in Kenya? Um, Obviously it's not enough time to sort of, you know, go (laughs) take a minute off your pace, but just, um, is it more just, uh, just the experience of it all?
1: Yeah, it's, it's probably more the experience. You might get a bit of inspiration from being there. I mean, the Kenyan athletes are so welcoming and they're so accessible, you know, like anyone who's around is around when we've, We've turned up many times at Ellie Kipchoge's camp and just walked in and shaking his hand, had our photo taken with him. Awesome. He signed, signed books. And, uh, he's just there. He, he says, Oh, come in, you know, they make tea and we sit around having tea. So there, yeah, they're, that, that can, you know, can inspire people quite a lot, I think. And then we do get, so the camps for two weeks, you do get some people who kind of come for the two weeks and then stay an extra week. Cause Kind of by the end of the two weeks you've you're getting acclimatized to the altitude. So you're almost just ready at yeah. that point to start doing some training. So they stay for an extra week on, on their own. Because by then they know they know where everything is, they know who you know, they've got contacts with people to run with and that kind of stuff. So
0: Yeah. What what is your superpower in terms of um <laughs> You know, like, is it, do you think it's your mental game? Is it uh, certain weather conditions that you, that you can kind of just eat up or, or where is your, wh- wh- like what d- describe the perfect race conditions for you? Course and weather and all I mean,
1: that. I, I wouldn't call it a superpower, but I, I'm, I seem to be okay in the heat. Actually, I don't mind the heat. Yeah. Uh, wind at my back. That helps. <laughs> slightly
0: downhill wind at my back downhill (laughs) wind at your back nice warm day sunshine yeah Yeah, perfect yeah uh no i mean i
1: mean i guess weirdly i've gone from someone who doesn't like descending to someone who loves descending i'm still not very good on on the ascents i'm still not very good going up i don't know why i just i don't know i just don't seem to have the power going up the hill i i struggle but but i used to struggle up and down so so I was before I was like the flat was my terrain. Like,
0: you're halfway there. You got you yeah, got, so half well I've got, got you
1: two. <laughs> well I've got the flat and the and the down. I just don't have the up. Yeah. But I, I
0: definitely like so Ron Riley in this Oh you're breaking up. I'm six foot, exactly. Six foot you said? Yeah, yeah you broke up a little feet, bit. Okay, so six foot. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I don't. I, yeah. yeah, I used to be a better climber than I am, but uh, yeah, you see some people who just eat that stuff. Zach Miller is one of those guys. You watch him run, and you you literally yeah. got to watch him run. Uh, you yeah. were staring at his heels for a while. Um, and that's in yeah, but not very long. But, yeah. yeah, he's he's insane. He looks like he's running like an 800 meter when he runs a hundred. Yeah. I, yeah, it's yeah. just ridiculous. Yeah, his arms are really
1: going, and he's just, yeah, he's properly running up those hills. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy.
0: I think he's probably,
1: and he doesn't use the poles either, Zach. Like some, a lot of the Europeans use the poles, but he's just like, yeah, it's just him grinding it out. But, yeah, and I we used to do these. So I, when I do a trail race around here, I'm like, I'm kind of keeping up on the descents now. You know, if I'm, if I'm with the fast guys near the front, I'm keeping up on the descents. Yeah. I'm kind of passing people on the flats and then I'm just losing all the ground on the hills. So yeah. So my superpower is, is flat running. So but then, that, then you start thinking, well, maybe I'm still a roadrunner at heart really in that
0: case. Well, depends on where your heart is located, I suppose. So just cause it's your skill, if, if that's your heart. So yeah. Yeah. Are you excited for racing to come back? Are you, are you looking at like the FKT world or do you like the structure of, of races?
1: Uh, Yeah, I really like races and I like, I just, you kind of, what I feel like is I'm not really, especially with trail running, I'm not really looking at times and, but as soon as I get in a race, it doesn't matter if there's 20 people, then I'm suddenly thinking, right. Maybe I can get top 10 or if there's 50 people, top 20, I, I seem to just set these goals that really kind of arbitrary goals that just get me, get me going. And I enjoy the competition. And what I, what I feel like I'd like, I'd like to replicate that feeling in i I've been able to do. So I've got a, I've got a trail marathon coming up. So it's, it's actually just a bit long. It's about 27 miles.
0: Yeah.
1: And my real goal is just to kind of feel strong the whole way through. I think if I can, it doesn't matter about the position or the time, but if I can kind of, you know, that last five miles, I'm still feeling like I'm enjoying it. I'm still pushing. I like pushing though. I'm not, I'm not going to amble my way around, but if I can feel, strong. That, that's the goal. Yeah. It's just to be able to feel strong the whole way. I don't know if I can do it or not,
0: but. That's yeah, cool. In, in, all of the, yeah. in all of the experiences that you've had, maybe, maybe outside that first race you did in Kenya, but like, what was your, I guess, biggest failure, if, if you had any, that you would consider a failure and all of that? And then what did you learn from that? Oh, like well. Just, just big I, dumb mistake or something you made.
1: Yeah, well, it wasn't really a big mistake, but I, I do, it's quite weird. Sometimes people ask me, you know, which race was your favorite race, or which, and, and it, I wouldn't necessarily say it was my favorite race, but for various reasons, the race I'd like to go back and do is the track race, the 24-hour track race. And partly that's because there's something very special about that race, something very special about the atmosphere of it and just it's quite accessible as well. You know, you don't have to go and travel. Well, for me, I don't have to travel to another country and, but there is something about the fact that I did so, so badly in it. I think, I mean, I was, I was 28 out of 32 finishers. I mean, there were about 10 people who didn't finish at all, but I was, there was a, there was a 78 year old lady who was just behind me. She was like, two miles behind me. So I kind of feel like I'd love to go back and at least run a hundred miles. That seems to be the benchmark for 20. That's like the sub three hour yeah. marathon. It's like hundred miles in 24 hours. Uh, I, and I just think like, come on, I've got to be able to do that. And, yeah. and, and I just, and like in that race was that race where I really gave in to those negative thoughts where I really, yeah kind of let myself be crushed by something that wasn't really that bad, which yeah. was just my feet were a bit sore. Like you said, I wasn't yeah. injured. And so I'd like to go back and, and I feel like that's where I really, although it's quite a good story and it, it made quite good reading and, yeah. and, and cause I really went through the ringer there from a performance point of view. That was, that was my worst race. Yeah. I think I just totally, totally. I mean, I, I like you say, I, I end up lying in my car. Yeah. I mean, that's not, that's not, that's not what I should have been doing. I mean, like I say, it was good for the story. But do
0: you think, I mean, it's impossible to answer this question. Well, it's impossible to know what the true answer really is, but do you think knowing what you know now and just the experience of breaking through so many times, could you have gone back? Like if you had pushed yourself to run 3 hours earlier or what you know when the when the pain really started settling in or or you know you know what i mean like it was it just something you had to go through and there was no way that you know yeah so. I, I think i think if i if i did the same race again and got to that point
1: i don't think i could have done anything differently but what i needed to do was have a different mindset on from the beginning i think i went into that race not really aware of what it was going to take yeah. i just thought I don't know. I I I felt. I think I was a bit blase about it. I felt like it's just around a track. Yeah. I I felt like I was mentally strong. I think, and I didn't realize. I didn't even realize I was having the battle with myself. That was the thing. Now, being aware of that, having come through that, I would be able to see that. But I just, I was just, I was I was like a, uh, my I was like a puppy. don't oh, no. I was like what well, my mind was like playing with me, like a yeah. puppy with a ball or something. Yeah. And I didn't even realize it. <laughs> I
0: awesome. was the
1: ball. My brain was the puppy. Yeah. So I needed to uh but now, so now so starting yeah. from scratch, right. I feel like I would I would have the right mindset right from the beginning that you've just got to be in this kind of you know almost like this tunnel where your mind is going to come and you just not you're not going to listen to it but I, I was like, I was out for the day, I was like on a shopping trip, oh talking to everybody, and then my mind started saying this, oh really, oh god yeah i'm, I'm my feet hurt wow,' well, my you know, I've got the wrong shoes on, yeah, I changed my shoes, oh these shoes are I was just I was all over the place mentally, and I don't think i if I'd got to the crisis with that same mindset again, yeah, I, you know, I would have done the same thing again, yeah. so
0: yeah. Yeah. So maybe, yeah, maybe in retrospect you couldn't have fixed it that day, but going in again for next yeah. time, you'll you'll definitely.
1: I think you've got to have the right right from the beginning. You've got to be yeah. right. This is you know I'm going in to the, there's a book by uh, Murakami, not not his running book, but there's a book where it's called The Wind Up Bird Chronicle, where there's a guy who who goes and he he goes to find his kind of peace. Is he's, he he found this abandoned house with a well in the garden. And he goes and he climbs down the well and he sits at the bottom of the well and the rest of the world is shut out. And he kind of finds this solitude, this kind of peace in this Mm. solitude down the bottom of a well. And I feel like the 24-hour running race, you've got to kind of get into that mindset where everything else is blanked out. And it's just... That's my feeling. I, I, I might be wrong. I might try that and, and crash after two hours. Who
0: knows? Well, it seems like such a different challenge that you don't, the scenery isn't changing. The terrain isn't changing. The, you know, you don't have those other things that can distract you. You are on a track. It, you know, you're yeah. every 400 yards, you're seeing the exact same thing in the exact same way, yeah. you know, things get lighter and darker, but that's about the only change. So I think yeah that that seems yeah. to be I wonder if the failure there is what really ultimately allowed you to break through at these other races like if if you can break through at that you can literally break through anywhere.
1: Yeah. I think so. I think so. Yeah, the thing about all the other races is as long as you keep moving you're going to get there. Yeah. And so you keep moving. But with these with that race you can stop and right. you're still going to get there because the clock's still t- ticking. It's a challenge, yeah. And so you can, you can sit down and, oh, I'm still, I'm still racing. The race is still going. So then there's less incentive to keep moving. And yeah, yeah I think that's why you've got to be quite fixed right from the beginning of yeah. how you're going to do this. Because the challenge isn't just to get from A to B, which all the other races are. Yep. So the other race, you know when you set off, they say go and you start, you know it's pretty clear in your mind what's happening here. you are going to go to that other place where it says finish. With the 24-hour track race, I guess I didn't have that in my head. I, there's it would say go i was thinking actually i don't think i've ever really thought of it like this but you kind of like when you start off on a on a, any other race you kind of without even having to think about it you know you start and then you're going to get to the finish and that's the race but with the yeah. self-transcendence when you know it's time but it it takes a different kind of mentality to because you're not running towards a finishing line it's kind of weirdly different and that and in that I, you, can't, you can stop and, and it's like the tracks moving under you. It's like the time is still going. Yeah, And so it plays with your mind. That does, I think.
0: Well, I mean, it's the same thing for me with lap swimming. If I, mm. I can, on an open water swim, you're out in the middle of the ocean or the lake or whatever, you have yeah. to get back. So you, you don't have a choice, but to make that swim, yeah. you know, when you're swimming in a pool every 50 meters, you have the decision to stop and get out of the pool. And unfortunately, I've been guilty many times of cutting workouts short. Um, And I love thinking about it this way, because it is that, you know, every minute, let's say you have a mental challenge to say, keep going, kick off the wall one more time. And the cool thing is you don't have to think about it for a minute. You literally have that split second where you either stop or you kick, you know, you kick yeah. off that wall. Um, and, and it, you know, same with treadmill running or anything else. And that is, uh, I don't remember who it was. I think it was like Hillary Biscay or somebody early on a triathlete, their coach put them on a treadmill at the end of a hallway facing like a gray wall and made yeah. them do a marathon like that. Now she ended up like leaving this coach. It was a big scandal in the sport, but <laughs> for me, I thought it was a great challenge. It was, yeah, if you can, if you can get in that that mental mental area yeah. where you you know you don't let the other things in, because that's so much of of endurance sport is yeah. mental, you know. I mean, it's it interesting. It, There's no two it, ways about it.
1: The Japanese do a lot of their uh a lot of their long runs on a track. So like the marathon runners and the Ecudem runners will do you know, they'll do like twenty-five K runs on the track or, you know, oh. a fairly regular kind of easy run is 10 K on the track. And, uh, I think they tend to see themselves as like tougher mentally. They might not, yeah. they see the Kenyans as stronger and the Ethiopians physically stronger, but they always think when the conditions are tough, that's when we come into our own. And so like mm. when Yuki Karichi ran the Boston marathon, he won the, won the Boston marathon a couple of years ago, when he saw how bad the conditions were, he was like, aha. And this is, this is, yeah. this could be my day today because these other yeah. guys are not going to be tough enough mentally. And, and yeah. also, so the Japanese like is quite like, like there was a big hoo-ha about moving the marathon from Tokyo to the North of uh, Japan for the Olympics. Cause the, Japanese runners wanted it to be in Tokyo where the conditions were going to be more oppressive, where the heat was going to be more oppressive. Because mm. that would play in their mind, that's going to play into their advantage because they're tougher mentally. Yeah. They have this yeah. ability to enjoy. And part of that is the way they train, they just go round and round the track. Whereas Yeah. The rest of us like to enjoy the scenery. And
0: <laughs> yeah. And even if it's not well, on a track. That's why tra- I asked you about what's
1: up. Even if it's not on a track, they'll do they might do a 40k run, but it'll just be this, like, this two points were like a kilometer apart. Right. I just go back and forth, back and forth, yeah. back and forth. That's how that's they crazy.
0: do it. Well, and that's why I asked you about the, you know, like, kind of what your superpower is. Cause I think we draw that strength where I'm really good at running in extreme heat growing up right. in Arizona. Right. And it's not that I necessarily like it, I, I I do like it. But what I like is that other people hate it. Yeah. It's that I know I can look in someone's eyes and know how badly they're suffering. And for whatever reason, my body can kind of eat it up. So it's not like I just love doing it, but I, yeah, yeah. I just, I do love how much the other people are suffering when I'm not. <laughs> yeah. And you it's do better in your life. I know. That. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but you know, the better you do, yeah. the more fun it is. You know, you're beating people you don't normally beat. That's always fun, right? <laughs> yeah.
0: Why not? Why not? Well, we normally do this 10-question uh, dash, this part on the podcast. You want to answer some questions and let people get to know you a little bit?
1: Okay, I'll try. I'll try. Cool. All
0: right. Very good. All right. Let's please. Not very something. good at thinking on let's my see. feet, though. So let's see. All right. Well, they're easy questions, I promise. Um, what is your gear looking like? What kind of shoes? And are you still uh, wearing, was it Ultra? No, who? I don't remember what it oh, was wearing.
1: Well, I've got all sorts of shoes, but I'm kind of in the trail shoes at the moment. I'm wearing Innovate, which is a UK company. That's it. Yeah, yeah. Innovate. Yeah.
0: Yep. Yeah very nice. Okay, uh, what is your next race? What are you signed up for? Are you signed up for anything specific? Yeah, so it's, uh, actually uh,
1: it's, signed it's, up. Yeah, it's in May, beginning of May. I hope it happens. It's a tw- it's a trail marathon on the south oh, coast right, yeah. of England, uh, where I live in Devon. It's called the Endurance Life uh, South Devon Endura-
0: uh, Trail Marathon. So yeah. Is it Should flat? Be really hilly? What, what kind it's, of terrain? It's pretty hilly.
1: It's along the coastal trail. So you've got the sea on one side. Well, for the first half, you've got the sea on one side and the really beautiful, beautiful ups and downs, little coves, beaches. And then it works its way inland over the farmland back, back to the finish. It's a lovely little race. Nice.
0: Do you have a, what is your favorite uh, uh, sports or running book?
1: Oh, Probably endure by Alex Hutchinson.
0: I think endure by Alex Hutchinson. Okay, I'll have to remember that one. I haven't read that one yet. Uh, yeah, there's really so good many good ones out there. It's so tough. Yeah, yeah. Um, what's what's your uh, well? What's your favorite race? I know what your sort of favorite experience was. Maybe they're just the same.
1: Yeah, uh, I mean it's really hard to pick one, but I I, I have to give a nod because I haven't given it a nod yet, and it's just such an incredible race. Is the comrades. Comrades marathon in South Africa, incredible experience.
0: Yeah. What is your, what's your bucket list race? What's the one you haven't done yet that you'd love to do? Uh,
1: well, I would love to do Western States, but I'm not sure I'll ever get, get into that. (laughs) Uh, But there's a golden
0: ticket. (laughs) Yeah.
1: There is a race in Spain called Zegama, which looks amazing as well. So it's a
0: trail marathon, Zegama in Spain. Yeah. Maybe you can get FT or someone to put you in uh, Western yeah. States somehow. Yeah. They don't do media. <laughs> I've, I've checked. <laughs> ah, okay. Why well, do you listen to music when you run? Um, almost never. No. Is that never. the question? Okay. Yeah. Well, it was really, the question was what is that? Like that, that home stretch song on your playlist that gets you across the finish line?
1: Yeah, no, I, I've, I've never listened to one in, in, in a, only on an easy run, so, uh, and and I, I've done it like twice in my life, so no. Okay. So I don't have an answer to that.
0: Okay, very good. Do you have any pre-race rituals or superstitions? I don't remember any in the book that you really had.
1: Not really. I do always, I, which I don't normally eat, but I eat porridge, which I think you guys call oatmeal uh, before mm-hmm. the race, if possible. It's not, it's not like okay. I have to, but for some reason, that's
0: yeah. my race, my, my pre-race meal. So it's, sits well in your body yeah uh living or dead who would you most like to share a long run with oh my god now that's that's going to take some thought uh the writer in you is overthinking this it has to be <laughs> yeah. profound well I, I,
1: as a as a kid i had two running heroes uh, and one of them i've already shared a run with which was steve cram uh mm. so i won't say him because i've shared a run with him it was great but that's kind of i've done it so my other childhood hero was zola bud uh now called zola Uh, peterson uh yeah quite an interesting story so we'd have a lot to talk about i think
0: yeah very much did she uh, was it uh, was it did she just come out with her memoir like about a year ago or in the last year
1: she she's she has kind of reappeared doing some race
0: i think i don't think so though not that i saw if she did, I, okay. I haven't seen it. I need to... Because uh, it was Zola and was it Mary Decker where the, yeah, the trip yeah. happened and all that? Okay. Yeah. One of the two just came out with their memoir, some some book uh, okay. recently. I like think it may be Mary year, Decker, so.
1: but that's okay. an amazing story, that race.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Should, yeah. yeah. I, I remember that vividly yeah. as a kid. All right. What is... Uh, the final question here is, is at Haranon, what is the secret? Of everything or running? <laughs> take your pick stay in the moment Could be writing
1: no stay, stay in, the, in moment. the moment for everything present moment for everything I love is, that. is now yeah. stay stay there as much as possible
0: oh that's great awesome very good well again i'll uh as i said in the beginning like uh this has just been a total honor uh I, I must admit, like, I, I don't know that I've ever been uh, nervous isn't the right word, but I really wanted this to go well because I've, you've, you've been in my head for so long. I've loved reading your books and, um, um, yeah, I just thank you so much for coming on. It's been great chatting with you. And, uh, if you ever state side again, or certainly in Colorado, look me up and let's, uh, I'd love to share a run with you.
1: That sounds great. Yeah, I, th- I certainly will. And uh, sorry I was on
0: my neighbor's Wi-Fi for half the time. <laughs> no worries. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll clean up all the uh, technical. I had a technical difficulty. I forgot to hit record in the very beginning, yeah. and then uh, we, were, we had some Wi-Fi issues there. Yeah. So we'll clean all that stuff up and we explain it. it. It'll be fine. No, it's,
1: it's been a real yeah. fun conversation, so uh, I look forward to awesome. listening back.
0: Thank you. Very good. Um, where can people find you? I know the way of the is is one place. Where else can people find you?
1: Yeah, probably either Twitter or Instagram. I'm just a Daranand. There's I'm pretty much pretty sure I'm the only one in the world. So I have
0: Yeah just I think my first are.
1: name. It's there. You put me in the first name in anything and I'll come up.
0: So. Yeah. What is the what is the origin of that name?
1: It's a Sanskrit name, but it's not really a name. It's like a there was a my parents had an Indian kind of spiritual teacher and he had a friend who gave himself this name, an Indian guy, huh. and my parents just when I was born, they just thought that's a cool name. They gave it to me. Yeah. But if I meet someone from India, I tell them my name, they recognize it, but it's not a name. You know, it's like being called Star Child or something uh, uh, as yeah. an Indian, you
0: know, So that's <laughs> well, cool. You didn't even. But is didn't my even real name. Need people,
1: like a... people think I've I've given it to myself. It's my invented name, but it's on my birth certificate, so it's my. I'm
0: yeah. stuck with it. It's a cool name. I like the name. I couldn't, I I mispronounced it in my head for so long. And then there's a point in the book where you say the name and it was like, uh, oh, shoot. Yeah. I, I'm, I, I don't remember what I, I think I transposed some letters, I think. So for a long yeah. time, I, I had a different name in my head and you said it. Yeah, up yeah, and I was yeah. like, oh, okay. I'm an idiot. Perfect. <laughs> All right. So find you on Twitter, Instagram, Way of the Runner, etc. Uh, yeah. The website's
1: thewayoftherunner.com. The so that's... That's a good yeah. starting
0: point. Yeah. Awesome. Well, coaching. best of luck in your race. Uh, we will follow along and I hope you, uh, I wish you nothing but success in that.
1: Thank you.
0: Um, that is the show, folks. I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. Uh, more people racing, more often having more fun in the process is our mission at Athlinks. Thanks again to Adharanand Finn for his time. And please do check out his books Rise of the Ultra Runners, Running with the Canyons, Way of the Runner. I will include links to the show in the show notes to those books if you want to immerse yourself in some great storytelling about running and perseverance. We do a special post for each episode on Instagram. So look for the post for episode 37 with a picture of Adharanand Ed Ed if you have questions or comments. Uh, We are at Athlinks or shoot us an email to podcast at athlinks.com. The best way to support this podcast is to click subscribe on iTunes or follow on Spotify to be notified of new shows. Please share it far and wide with anyone you think would enjoy it. And please take a second to give us a rating and a quick review on iTunes. And until next time, happy racing, everybody.